0: What's up Dolph fans and welcome into the Monday, August the 5th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose. Of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show the first official depth chart of 2019 is out we're going to break down what that means how much hot air is in there and talk about the Dolphins different package groupings groupings rather on offense and defense plus some injury and practice updates from Monday some insight into the Pat Flaherty firing and the Brian Flores article from Michael Silver all of that and much more but first before any of it I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. We've been in the top 200 for the last 10 days. Let's keep that rolling. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. And of course, check out lockedondolphins.com for all your daily Dolphins written content needs and the other locked on sports family of podcasts, like the rebranded new Locked On NFL podcast. With the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and hosted by Brian Peacock, your daily national podcast on all things NFL, Locked On NFL podcast, let's jump in to the Locked On Dolphins podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. (laughs) Of course, we have some injuries to update on the podcast today. Jerome Baker was escorted into the facility by trainers on Monday. And of course, he was because I was prepared to write a big thing up on him and how this has become his defense and how he'll be the focal point of Miami's pressure packages and everything else they do in the middle of that defense. We'll get you updated on that as soon as information becomes available. And Omar Kelly tweeted out that Devontae Parker was wearing a compression sleeve on his leg. Anybody else on the roster does that? That's a non issue, but of course we know about Devontae's history, so you worry a little bit. I hope he's fine. Really rooting for that guy this year who, by the way, I was told to a man that Devontae Parker is the nicest guy on this football team, so go easy on Devontae Parker. Rashad Jones is in fact in that walking boot, but Omar also says that's probably something like turf toe because he wasn't limping and he was walking just fine in the boot, and let's go ahead and break down the starters of practice guys working with the first team Isaiah Ford continues to get some run with the first team as the receiver crew is a little bit banged up with Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant both down even though Wilson's dressed and practicing he's not going through the team periods of practice Jesse Davis still at right tackle Shaq Calhoun Michael Dieter still your offensive guards and you guys know I think that Calhoun should have lost that job last week especially after the scrimmage Eric Rowe, Jonathan Woodard, Jakeem Grant, Rashad Jones, and Chase Allen all did not practice. It's a good thing that guys like Trey Watson and Terrell Hanks are having great camps so far. I wonder if the Dolphins were counting on getting at least... Some special teams work from Chase Allen and Mike Hole, both guys who have barely been out there at all, none for Hull. I had both of them as cuts as part of my prediction series before training camp began, but that was more about them being holdovers of a previous regime, but I think that's pretty much a sure thing at this point. And as the writing is basically on the wall for those two linebackers, I think the same could be said about Jonathan Woodard who probably had a bit of an uphill climb to make coming into camp, but he's been banged up and not participating in practices the last couple of days. And the opportunity given to Jonathan Ledbetter and Dwayne Hendricks are certainly making Jonathan Woodard expendable. Omar also notes that Kenyon Drake had the best day of practice. He is electric, and I saw that at the scrimmage on Saturday. Kind of a gamer, to go back to my Josh Rosen question. So electric, and he's an interesting case, man. There is more than meets the eye with Kenyon Drake, and I wish I could tell you guys exactly what that is. I just can't do it, so don't ask me. It's both against the rules and unethical, but I will say this. Just root for Kenyon Drake. He is a good dude, and he really wants the best for him and this team. Also, don't ask him or any players for selfies on the field after practice. You will get your credentials revoked if you do that. Pretty hilarious story that happened down at training camp. Another player that shined at camp, according to the reports, again, I don't have my eyes on the practice field like I did the last 10 days, but Bobby McCain apparently had himself a big day, and he was kind of working towards that when I was down there, working on his angles, getting himself involved in some of the pressure packages as they would rotate Monterey Hardage back into a single high look and bring McCain down around the line of scrimmage, and he got that first sack of camp that I noted today from Omar Kelly. I didn't see him get a sack previously, but Omar says that Bobby got a sack in the practice and Preston Williams continues to shine. He's making big plays, chunk plays. If he adds that deep element to the game as well, in addition to what he can do as a dig receiver, a crossing route receiver... I I agree with X because if he can do that, he can become a big play, number one potential wide receiver. And Josh Rosen was the one that jammed that deep touchdown pass into Preston Williams. It was a whole shot between a safety coming over the top and a cornerback and trail technique. And that's what he can do with that spin and with that velocity. It's an impressive looking throw. He is continuously the top guy on the field when it comes to throwing the football with velocity and force and spin. And I want to see him do more of that and develop that into his game in the 11-on-11 drills. And it looked like he did some of that on Monday's practice. And when we come back on the other side of this podcast, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll unpack the confusing depth chart that was released by Coach Flores on Monday. We'll place the different packages and who is earning time in those packages, both on offense and defense. But first... Is your manhood confused about its role in your life? If your little guy is staying little and you want to call in that big nickel package onto the field, you've got to check out Blue Chew. Listen up, guys. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com. Brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, East Coast, West Coast, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when using special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. truth is that I don't live in South Florida, so the trip and the training camp coverage only could last 10 days. Goodbye, everybody. I have got to go, but we still have good coverage from you out here from the Pacific Northwest, and it does feel fantastic to be home. It was great to see the wife last night when she picked me up at the airport. It was great to see the cat when I got back, and it was just great to put your life back together and get unpacked, get that laundry going, put things back where they belong. It feels like a sense of coming home to get that routine reestablished. But establishing a routine is very important for a football team, especially for a head coach trying to establish a new program in his first season. And with that, Coach Flores released the first depth chart of the 2019 season and as of course he is mandated to do by the National Football League and he pretty much did it in a way that says I don't really care about your mandates. I'm going to put together this thing as sloppily as I possibly can and they did it in packaging that you're not going to see more than maybe 10% of the time as far as the defensive formation goes and they did use 11 personnel on offense which will probably be the primary primary package for the offensive group, but it does look like it's going to be fluid across all formations, and 11 is going to be your base, although I do think we're going to see a lot of looks in 21 and 12 personnel, and the interesting part about that is that Chandler Cox was listed as the final running back on the roster behind Miles Gaskin, Kenneth Farrow, and Patrick Laird although he is going to be the first guy onto the field as the actual fullback. And I think we start here with the quarterbacks and the offensive line because those are the two groups that stay pretty much unchangeable once they open a game throughout the course of that game unless you get injuries. And it is, of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I imagine it stays that way for the foreseeable future. Even if the gap is closing, I think they're going to make it very difficult on Josh Rosen to earn the job and make him really, really progress and work hard and show, show... Progressive traits as practice goes on throughout the course of the next few weeks leading up to week one for him to actually earn that week one job. The competition is on. Fitzpatrick leads right now. It's going to stay that way for at least another week, maybe even longer than that, even if Rosen outplays Ryan Fitzpatrick. The offensive line, that group is a flat out lie. And we're going to jump into the details on the firing of Pat Flaherty later on, but Jordan Mills listed as the first team right tackle. That's not true. He's been demoted to the second team, which is interesting that they put him there first because it also means that Jesse Davis has to go back inside to right guard, and he hasn't played there since the firing of Pat Flaherty. So that also is interesting. I think this line is four parts of what it's going to be on opening day right now currently, and that's the one group that remains structured regardless of grouping in terms of substitutions on the offensive side. You've got Laramie Tunzel, Michael Dieter, Daniel Kilgore, Jesse Davis at right guard, Jordan Mills at right tackle, although we know the truth to be that Shaq Calhoun's the right guard and Jesse Davis is the right tackle. But how about these skill players? Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, and then Jakeem Grant, Isaiah Ford, and Trenton Irwin as the next guys up And Preston Williams, come on, he's part of that top six in this group. We all know that. It's been the case every day of practice so far. Those guys are going to be a healthy mix and a healthy rotation at the receiver position, something we probably don't see very often, especially under the Adam Gaze regime, where it was Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, and Kenny Stills every damn snap unless one of them was injured. Well, this group could be more about situational football and rotation, kind of like they do in the air raid scheme most notably out here in Washington State with Mike Leach, where they rotate eight receivers through the system and play eight guys. The Dolphins might play five or six guys at this position. At the running back spot, you've got Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balazs as the or distinction, and we saw that last year between Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake. And I don't think that's going to change, maybe even into the season. They'll both get their work in. I think both these guys might struggle a little bit with the playbook side of things, but they are both physical freaks. We see it on the field and practice pretty much every single day. We're in good hands with these two guys if the coaching can take hold, but they both have to stay healthy for the backfield structure to hold up through the course of the season. And to move back outside, I do think that Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker are your top guys right now across most of the formations. I think the Jakeem Grant experiment and my own personal expectations for him might remain more Subdued as he's more of a part-time player in the mold of a 60 to 70 percent snap guy. I mean, he's already got another injury right now. You probably want to manage that workload and make sure he can be healthy and explosive when he is on the field. I do not think that Albert Wilson is going to be a full go for opening day. I've been talking about that. I thought he might open up camp on the PUP. He did not, so he cannot go to the PUP. He could go to injured reserve with designation for return, but that's not going to happen. He's been a work in progress. I think he's a part of that group. He is the. Third receiver on that group but I don't know how accurate that's going to be given his health and Isaiah Ford you guys have heard me talking about his work after practice pretty much every single day I do think that he is the sixth wide receiver if they wind up keeping that many guys this group is going to rotate in and out and you have to put Preston Williams in that group of six I would say he's probably at worst the fifth guy right now And to be honest, he's probably higher than that too because he's outperformed a lot of guys at that position group. Then there's the tight end group, and it's listed with a bunch of ores, and that is so fitting because these guys are difficult to separate. It goes Gasicki or O'Leary or Smythe, and Dwayne Allen is last behind both Chris Myrick and Clive Walford on this list. I'll wait to make any proclamations on Dwayne Allen until he's actually healthy, but I can tell you that it was consistent throughout camp Mike Kosicki and Nick O'Leary were the two tight ends in 12 personnel packages which means one running back two tight ends two receivers and Nick O'Leary serves as the backup fullback behind Chandler Cox in the event that he gets hurt and Durham Smythe continues to be your 11 personnel tight end and I think that makes a lot of sense because he's best suited to allow the offense to protect its play call and not give away tendencies or tips in regards to a pass or a run he can operate as a receiver and as a blocker both efficiently Although I do venture to guess that in that 11 personnel package, he's seen more as a six offensive lineman to allow the three receivers to get their work done in the passing game. I also think that Nick O'Leary is probably your tight end in 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end. He's the guy out there for that. And then we have the defense and that's where things really get messy. Up front, you've got Charles Harris, Christian Wilkins, Devon Godshaw, and Tank Carradine. And that has been consistent across four man defensive lines. And these groups will see rotation unlike any other on the team. But that four man group has been consistent. And so have the three man fronts with Devon Godshaw, Christian Wilkins, and those two guys. We talked about it on the scrimmage podcast kind of rotating between three tech and inside at the nose nose tackle and two eye technique and one technique. Those guys are kind of interchangeable that way. At least that's what the coaching staff has shown us so far in practices so you go Godshaw, Wilkins, and Charles Harris out there which I also find interesting because Harris is getting more of that interior work like he did as a rookie where he would kick inside as a five technique the occasional slide inside to four eye or three technique to play an interior rush package when it's third and long or a passing situation. And Tank Carradine was always the first guy when I was out there to come into the formation for Charles Harris in the three-man front substitutions. You've got Akeem Spence and Vincent Taylor next up on the depth chart. Those guys are the pass rush subs and probably rotational guys too. Again, these groups are going to rotate on a series-by-series basis and also situational basis. I think those two guys, Spence and Taylor, will also play a hell of a lot. And Jonathan Woodard's listing on here is total BS. Don't buy it for a second. He's not on the second team. Jonathan Ledbetter is. And Nate Orchard on that second team might not exactly be in that position, but he's got a role on this football team. He'll line up over the nose tackle in some of those amoeba packages where everybody's standing up except for the one guy, and it's Nate Orchard sometimes, but he also comes down off the edge as a rush linebacker on the line of scrimmage. And going back to linebacker, there's also a ton to unpack at this position group. Jerome Baker is clearly the top guy of the unit. He's not going to leave the field when he's healthy, which of course he got hurt today. We'll find out more about that as time goes on. But this is his defense. He calls the signals. He is the focal point of the pass rush. He finds himself involved in the running game off the edge and on the inside. He covers. He's just an excellent football player who is going to have a big year this year if he can stay healthy. Then you've got Raquan McMillan listed as the starting Mike Backer, but that hasn't been the case either. But of course, he's not in there because you're rarely going to play your base defense package that goes with the 4-3 look. He will be the Mike in those situations, your best run defending linebacker, but he probably gets swapped out for Sam Aguavin in passing situations like he has been all camp long. The nickel defense where you go two linebackers have basically been Jerome Baker and Sam Aguavin that has been very very consistent throughout training camp also Kiko Alonso is not a starter he's listed on this group as the starter he's consistently worked behind both Andrew Van Ginkle who provides so much more as an edge rusher and in coverage but it makes sense that he's in there for your 4-3 defense when you're going to get a call against probably a 12 personnel package or 21 personnel package which indicates a running play but then again I'd rather have Trey Watson or Terrell Hanks out there for that because it means that Kiko is going to get caught in coverage if the offense wants to go play action or just throw the ball against him with a tight end or running back. Trey Watson, the second team stack linebacker, that makes sense. That checks out. He's making this football team. And the secondary is also a mess because, let's be honest, I guess that Coach Flores is a little bit more of a psychological game player than I had anticipated. Eric Rowe and Xavier Howard are the most consistent pairing we've had all training camp long. Those are your perimeter corners. And Minka Fitzpatrick comes onto the field as the big nickel, which is going to be 85% of your defensive workload. You heard them barking that out a lot at the walkthrough on Friday, big nickel, big nickel, big nickel, as they do sort of a fire drill to get guys on and off the field. And you also hear the call rhino a lot. I'm not sure what that means, but I heard that a lot. And in that nickel package, you're going to have TJ McDonald as a safety, and I use air quotes around that that you can't see on a podcast, because he comes down and plays in the box with McCain 20 yards off the line of scrimmage, with Minka flying all over the field. When they do go too deep, it's been a steady rotation between Jamal Wiltz and Montre Hardage. When it's Wiltz, he comes down and plays the slot as Fitzpatrick goes back into a too deep look. When Fitzpatrick is in coverage in the slot, it's Hardage and McCain back in at the two deep safety look. And I really don't think there's going to be a starting position right now for Rashad Jones in this defense. And I've been told that he's a-okay with that. He's getting paid. That's the kind of guy he is. He doesn't really care about what happens in the win-loss column. I speculated on that and used that Falcons interception from 2017 when he basically ignored his entire team, ran to the sideline and told the crowd, this is my effing city over and over again. And I can now confirm that is true. Rashad's here to get paid. He's always been that way. How's that for a cliffhanger? And when we come back, we're going to unpack a bombshell from Dave Hyde on the Sun Sentinel regarding the firing of Pat Flaherty, and we'll jump in to the Brian Flores, Mike Silver article. All that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfoot NFL at Locked On Fins. Nothing says the beginning of football season to me like a new season of Hard Knocks on HBO, and that comes out tomorrow on Tuesday night. Cannot wait to see that. We've got a Dolphins game on Thursday, which is the best news in the history of the world. We're going to have a crossover preview podcast on Thursday morning for you guys with the host of Locked On Falcons. And of course, as we always do, we'll have the most in depth recap of the first preseason game on Friday morning for you guys. That should be out in the early morning hours of Friday morning. I may not be down there in South Florida still but we always were and always will be the ideal destination for Miami Dolphins information here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, except when it comes to some of the real insider stuff. I can help you guys with that now more than I ever have been able to with some connections I've built up, but I don't usually get scoops like this one from Dave Hyde of the Sun Sentinel. We saw the changes made along the offensive line immediately once Googs was promoted and Pat Flaherty was fired, and it all kind of adds up now the move to go away from Flaherty was one of a philosophical difference between the quote-unquote higher-ups and Pat Flaherty. Now, does that mean Brian Flores? Does that mean Chris Greer? I really don't know what that means. I don't know if Dave knows what that means, but the philosophical difference was that Pat Flaherty didn't believe that rookies should get playing time right away on the offensive line, and it makes total sense that he thought that way coming from the same school of thought, given his background with Tom Coughlin, but that, to me, is losing football, And it's a good sign to me that they made this decision. But now, again, it might be bad that you decide to hire him knowing full and well that this is his philosophical belief, his main objective on the offensive line. But get that stuff out of here, man. If your best players are rookies, then play the damn rookies. It's that simple. And I do think it's safe to say that Michael Dieter is one of the five best offensive linemen on this team. And maybe that's a bad thing regarding the talent of this offensive line. But he is. That's just what he is. I even talked about how he could be groomed as the backup center for an eventual Daniel Kilgore injury, which is usually inevitable. But why not get him the reps at left guard now and see if you can save a bunch of money in free agency next offseason at that left guard position? Makes sense to me. Then there's the Jordan Mills thing, and they still list him as the number one, but he is not that, not even close. He's too bad of a football player to start, But he is at least good enough to be the swing tackle. That's what he's going to be come opening day. And then, of course, there's the Shaq Calhoun idea, which I guess makes some sense too. But he hasn't earned that spot on the practice field from what I've seen. I still want to see Chris Reed back out there or give Kyle Fuller a shot. He's been decent, which is more than you can say about the rest of the offensive line. The only strange thing about this is the philosophy not coming to the surface During the initial interview, didn't they discuss this when they hired Pat Flaherty that he wanted to play veterans and not play rookies? Wasn't there disconnect there between Chris Greer and Brian Flores between Pat Flaherty? That to me is kind of weird. And lastly... We'll finish up here with the man that did conduct that interview with Pat Flaherty, Brian Flores. Michael Silver was seen walking around Dolphins Camp when I was down there and it had to do with a feature he was writing on Brian Flores and it starts, the article does, with a comment about how Michael Silver stole Brian Flores' chair when he first sat down and Flores kind of had this, I I don't want to say paranoid mentality about him, but he said, I've got three doors I have to keep an eye on. One, two, three at all times. So I have to sit in this chair because I can see all those doors. He talked about how he tries to be clear and direct. That's part of his leadership area. There's so, or his leadership leadership process, I should say. There's so much gray area in football with 11 guys on the field that you're trying to coach that I think I need to be direct. That might not be liked by the player in the specific moment, but I'm always going to push them to do more. That's just me. I do think that resonates with the players, by the way, a little aside outside of the quote. To get back into the quote, I try to be truthful and honest and transparent. And if they don't like it, then so be it. And that's okay. I think they respect that and they know where I stand. End quote. He would go on to talk about how he hates the term tanking and how it's disrespectful to the game that he loves and the game that gave him so much. He did say, quote, if you want to get me fired up, keep going in that direction, end quote. He then talked about the moment on the field after the Super Bowl when Brian Flores had his family and his son Miles with him in his arm. And a cameraman approached the family and said, Miles, do you know what just happened? And he was trying to bait him into saying, we just won the Super Bowl. But the son, Miles, says, we're going to Miami and let the cat out of the bag immediately on Brian Flores' new venture with our Miami Dolphins. There were some great player quotes in here talking about the direction of this team and kind of the back and forth between Kenny Stills and Brian Flores. They were jabbing about the Stills blocking Portion of his game and Brian Flores is kind of giving him some ribbing about his inability to block which I think we've seen time and time again but still throws it back at Brian Flores who said that he sprung the Brandon Bolden big run in that Patriots game last year the 54 yard touchdown run with his block and he's right but Flores basically said we're not talking about last year we don't do that it's all about this year and there is a very healthy element of trash talking between Flores and those offensive players. Bryce Butler talks about his authoritarian but also ally approach to things. Quote, he does a great job of separating the on the field and off the field. If he yells at you out here, once you walk through that door, the locker room door, he might give you a hug. He can trash talk with you too. He's definitely his own guy. It's refreshing. So I think there's a big change from last year compared to what Adam Gaze was. And people told me that Adam Gaze would go over to the sideline where all the autographs happen and he would bullshit with the media during practice. Brian Flores never did any of that. He was always coaching going from unit to unit, getting his expertise involved in each of those position groups, checking guys, making sure they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Adam Gaze was out here basically running Club Med, getting his friends out there, talking to the media, having a good time with practice, not taking it seriously. And that all adds up and makes a ton of sense. So check that article out, NFL.com, Michael Silver, on Brian Flores. And one quick note here, Don Banks, longtime Sports Illustrated reporter, has passed away. That just sucks, man. He's gone way too early at 54 everybody out there respected the hell out of that guy for his work. And with today's podcast, let's go ahead and bring that to an end. We'll be back out here tomorrow for another practice report. We'll get you a game of what's more likely. Looking forward to that one. And I think I'll open up the Twitter mailbag for Wednesday. We'll have the Thursday preview show, the Friday recap show. But as for today's show, that is my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at Locked Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.